Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of the Drone to 1K Podcast. I am your host, David Young. Looking forward to another episode with you here. Today on the podcast, I have Chris Francescani. And Chris has a great story of coming from being a journalist, moving into drone business full-time. So I was excited to get his story, and I was actually even more excited just personally to find out uh, what a cool role Drone Launch Academy has played uh, in his journey. I had no idea before we started the podcast. Um, I know I had seen his name in several of our courses and um, had interacted with him a few times, but he just um, really mentioned some cool stuff on the podcast that really touched me, and I was, I was pumped uh, to be able to hear that. So hope you enjoy the podcast today. Before we get started, as always, if you want some drone launch swag, t-shirts, hats, whatever, the only way to get it is by participating in the community somehow. So we don't sell any merchandise, we don't sell any swag. The only way you can get it is to earn it for free. How can you do that, you ask? David, I want some drone launch swag. And we make high quality stuff, we're not shipping you crappy t-shirts. I think on average, shipped, these t-shirts cost us about $20 a piece. So they're nice quality stuff, I wear them. If you want to get one, you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest review, leave us what you really think we earn and deserve for this. This is not like bribing you to give us five stars or anything. Um, screenshot the review, email it to me, david at dronelaunchacademy.com, and Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, at dronelaunchacademy.com, and uh, we will get you a free shirt. We'll get your shipping info and size and all that stuff and send you a shirt um, to say thank you. Even if you leave us a one-star review and you screenshot it and send it to us, we'll still send you a shirt because um, all feedback is helpful feedback. So I appreciate that. Second way you can do it, this way you can win some other swag like a hat or a coffee mug or something else. Um, you can also win a free course or a free coaching call with today's podcast guest, like a 15-minute call with me and Chris. Play a little game. Listen to the podcast when it first comes out. And then in the first week that the podcast is out, you just answer one question. It'll be posted either uh, in the YouTube video link description or inside the email for the podcast announcement. You answer one question about the podcast. It's going to be like a two truths and a lie. You have to like say what the lie is about the episode. Um, we'll pick a fun fact about Chris, and um, we'll pick a random, uh, like three or four random winners from that list, I believe. Maybe, yeah. And uh, you'll you'll win some, some prizes. So free swag, course, coaching call. You can kind of rank what you want, and we'll, we'll pick some winners. You only have a week to get in. So usually the pool is relatively small because, you know, it's people who just listen within the first week and take the time to go through that. So your chances of getting some free stuff are pretty good if you do that. All right. A couple of announcements I want to make to make sure you guys can get your stuff because I know you like them. Speaking of swag, I was talking to our Drone Launch Connect community manager, Dusty. He and I were brainstorming about how we can come up with some cool engagement ideas for the community. We're like, hey, let's have some contests. How can we get people um, even more motivated to be involved in posting and um, coming back and being part of the community? So we, we're going to do some contests where it's like the people who post the most, uh, who have the most posts, who have the most replies, who have the most likes on their posts and replies, so like that they're actually helpful or useful. And then we'll pick another random person that's been active in the Drone Launch Connect community um, that month. And each of those folks can pick some uh, swag that's worth like $30 or less. And we were looking to see, we use a website called printful.com if you want to go check it out. And we can basically get single t-shirts printed one at a time. That's how we ship out a lot of our stuff. But we were looking what they had on there as available options for swag. And now they have slides like the, the sandals, slides, flip-flops, bathing suits, throw pillows, um, 
throw uh, like throw blankets, like nice blankets, a satin robe, um, like I mean patches and and stickers and all that stuff, which is pretty normal. But we were just having the best time designing the most outlandish uh, drone launch swag to give away for or to make as an option for some of those contests. So uh, maybe we'll we'll widen the uh, swag options for those who are entering into some of our um, contests for for our listeners here on the podcast. Um, but if you're interested in the Drone Launch Connect community, which is a community of drone pilots, you can join for just a dollar at dronelaunchconnect.com. And we have a really awesome community there. We do tons of events. We do business trainings. We do ask an expert. So like every other week, we have an expert come on, a drone expert. We have a lot of people from the podcast come on. You get on a Zoom call with them, and you can actually like talk to them person to person. You like take we'll take turns like getting on and asking them questions, so they can actually see your face and you're talking directly to them, which is cool. Um, we get like seven to fifteen percent discounts on most drones, drone gear, all that kind of stuff. So really cool community to be a part of. I just enjoy being there and interacting with everyone. Uh, so it's twenty nine dollars a month after your first month, but after this month of August, we're going to be closing it down. We're going to only open it a few times a year because we want to kind of get like a tight knit group there. So the only way to get in after that will be probably with either a referral link from a current member. Or if you join one of our courses, you have like a small window to jump in the community at that point. But otherwise, it'll only open a few times a year. So if you want to get in, I would hop in there now. But sorry, I didn't mean to go on that for that long about the community. I just, we were having a really fun time the other day <laughs> making up uh, drone launch swag. So without further ado, here is Chris Francescani on today's episode. All right, welcome everyone. Uh, I am here with Chris Francescani of Sunset Beach Films. Uh, excited to have him on the podcast today. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Hey, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I feel bad. Me and Chris were just talking right before this. I've rescheduled this podcast episode, I don't know, five times uh, because I was in the hospital most of May and then got COVID and then had something else go on. And then I had a calendar mishap. So he's been extremely patient with me <laughs> in uh, getting this uh, podcast scheduled. So I appreciate your patience there, Chris. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Without further ado, let's dive in. Why don't we just start talking about your story and um, how you first got into drones and kind of what your background is. Sure, absolutely. Um, thanks very much for having me on. I got into drones. I've been a reporter for the last 25 or so years of my life and living in New York City, working for a bunch of different news organizations. And I've been writing about drones since at least 2013. That was the oldest story I could find. That's cool. Uh, and flying drones since about 2012. But in the beginning, it was just, you know, it was those styrofoam parrots that's crashing around in my 625-square-foot <laughs> New York City apartment. 25-square-foot. It's under 25. Okay. But um, I really got into it because um, I was able to, in journalism, one of, the, one of the joys of journalism is that occasionally you get to really dig into something that you're personally really invested and interested in. And I got into it by... Um, by doing you know long long form stories about the industry, um, Reuters was particularly good with me. They flew me out to um, to Mesa, Colorado, to meet with um, a sheriff's deputy named Ben Miller. He was he started one of the first law enforcement drone programs in the country um, back in two thousand nine, and wow. it was a really fascinating interview. And I went on this trip, and I went to California. I met this guy Patrick Egan from SUSA SUAS News. Mm-hmm who's a real colorful, colorful character. And I got to know the industry. I met people at AUVSI, et cetera. And I kept on writing about it, kept on buying new drones. Um, I covered the New York City Drone Fil- Film Festival. 
year after year for a bunch of different outlets for the Washington Post and I think NBC News and, and Reuters. And um, during these years, I said it. You so said I, you, yeah. I was just saying that um, I, I got involved in the industry by both just flying as a hobbyist um, on my own, but then reporting as much as I could um, on the industry as it developed. And then little by little, I got better and better at it. I went through, you know, I think all of the Mavics and the Minis, et cetera, et cetera. And now I've got a Mavic 3 that I really like. Nice. Um, but while I was still at ABC News, um, which is the last news organization that I worked for, um, one of the one of the women there, that she's the essentially she's the head of drone operations for Good Morning America. Her name's Maria Stephanopoulos. It's actually no relation to the anchor, George Stephanopoulos. I was wondering it. She's, um, but they call her the drone queen. She's a really remarkable woman. She's been flying drones professionally for the show for many, many years. She's won Emmys and stuff. And she encouraged me to go into this program at ABC where they train you for the part 107. And um, it's mostly for photographers and cameramen and videographers and everything. But um, because New York is such a, considered a high density state from, for insurance purposes, there's not a lot of drone pilots in the New York Bureau of ABC News. So I was able to get into that program and I went to ground school, I think in Baltimore and flight school in Maryland. We were trained by this great guy named John, Jim Blanchard um, from USA, UAS Academy. And I took my part 107 and um, I got my license. And about a year and a half ago, I sublet my apartment in New York City, moved out to Eastern Long Island and started this company. And a, a lot of it in those early years, last spring, um, beginning of last spring, it was when I started listening to this podcast hmm. and started taking the courses. Alex Harris was my first uh, kind of entree into Drone Launch Academy. Okay. I found him online somewhere and then signed right up for A to Z. I have successfully, you know, successfully bought, I think, most of your courses at this point. <laughs> but Drone Launch Academy, was a, it played a major role in, awesome. in early development of my company. Um, so it's a real pleasure to be here and to talk to you. I remember thinking back then, like, God, if I could ever get on this podcast, because you <laughs> talked about how you'd give us a link back to our site. And at the time, I thought a link back to my site would be the greatest thing in the world. And <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. And so I set a goal to, I, I figured it'd take three to five years. I'm not bragging, but um, I really thought it'd take three to five years before I was good enough that anybody would want to talk to me about what I do. Um, yeah. But I've been working my ass off. And so I'm really well, yeah, thought- honored to be here. Well, hey, no, and it's listen. You do, you're the one who's done the work and uh, put in all the time and effort to to make it happen. So <clears throat> I'm happy to have you on to to share your story. You know, I think your situation probably is familiar with a lot of people. Where you know they any business you start really when you first start, you're like, oh man, I just want to get you know if I could just do this, that'd be great. And then you get there, you're like, oh wow, that's awesome. I remember when I first, you know, it's not in the drone world, but when I first started. Drone Launch Academy. There was a, another podcast I listened to. This guy, um, Pat Flynn, uh, is like smartpassiveincome.com thing. And he always had like, oh, ways to make money online and different things like that. But he was like the only person I found who was like not real scammy about it. You know, there's a lot of like, uh, I don't know, just everybody feels scammy when it's like, make money doing this online. But he was, he was pretty open and, and chill guy. But I remember listening to his podcast being like, oh man, it's like my goal to be on his, his podcast one day. Um, and ended up being in like one of the like 10 people being in one of his um, coaching programs that he did for a year. And it was really good and got to know him. But, but yeah, so it's cool, you know, that you put in the work and um, now here you to share your story. So I'm, I'm pumped for, for everybody to hear about it and hopefully it inspires the next person to kind of do the same thing and realize, Hey, if I work at it and I do it, maybe that whatever dream or goal is not so far fetched, you know? 
It's really not. And there's a lot of time in, in the beginning, in the early days, when I, I really wondered whether this was ever going to work. Um, but I think anybody, anybody who's taking it seriously is going to go through that period of time. Yeah. Where you just you don't know if it's going to work and you just got to keep on pushing forward and doing the best you can and making mistake after mistake after mistake. But after a while, you suddenly realize, oh, my God, I know all this stuff now. You know, I don't yeah. make any of those mistakes anymore. Now yeah. I've got room to make new mistakes. But <laughs> yeah. And I learn. think, oh. oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just going to say all the online tutorials in the world and all the YouTube videos in the world um, don't compare to having to actually do the job in some sort of professional manner, even when you're doing something on spec or for free or anything like that. Um, that's where you really put all the things you learned online to the test. And yep. that's where you really, I think, I've learned from a lot of mistakes from, from actually having to do things. Yeah. You just got to get out there and do it. Uh, and one thing I was going to say to you, where you're like, Hey, you're going to make, make mistakes and then you go out and make new mistakes. It's funny. Cause you know, people, I think people assume that, Oh, I'm, it's going to be hard at the beginning, but then once I get it, everything's kind of smooth sailing from there. And you kind of just <laughs> yeah. on up and never really have any more problems or down months or whatever. I mean, so I've had my business for five years. You know, I'm good friends with a few other people that I've had on the podcast. Some of the people that I've had on the podcast live near me, so I get to hang out with them more and kind of see more of the day to day and what's going on, like Root Patel and um, and Jeff Carrillo and some of those guys, right? And so they come on, they have these great success stories in the podcast, and I'm not like you know selling them out or anything, but I talk to them, right? And so they, when I talk to them, they're like, "Oh man, dude, there's this is really tough. I'm trying to get this contract. These people are ghosting me. Um, you know, like." I've neglected all these little jobs to pursue this big job. And now this is like taking a lot longer than I thought. And, you know, so it's not like all the problems disappear after you get like good at what you're doing. Cause you start trying to tackle new problems. And sometimes that takes longer than you think, but then, you know, but both of those guys, I'm just using them as examples, right? Like they continue to do the same thing, right? Even though there's doubt, fear, uncertainty, what they're doing, they're really diligent about pushing forward, moving ahead. And then, you know, then they'll have these like, epic months where you know, I talked to, talked to Jeff and he made more money in one month uh, than I had ever heard any drone pilot. Like, I don't want to, he didn't give me permission to share. Uh, so mm -hmm. I won't, but I was just like, we were having lunch and I was just like, I'm sorry, what? He's like, yeah, man, it was not just all of it just kind of came in at once. Um, so all that to say, you know, like even when you're, you've quote made it, you know, there's still highs and lows and you know, you got to have the, the stomach for it. Um, but I think a lot of those guys would prefer it that way too. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's an endless climb, but uh, the further you go along, the more your confidence grows, oh, your ability sure. to handle any problem. Yes. Times when I listened to drone podcasts, and I literally it was like listening to someone in another language. I had no idea where they were talking, making reference to all different drones, and you know, shorthand like M three or something like that. Um, uh, which at the time I think they were talking about the Matrice three, not the yeah. Maverick three. Uh, but over time, you, you're better able to handle the problems that you encounter yeah. because you've got a better um, sense of the big picture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, so you're at ABC and you're doing their, um, you get involved with their drone program and, you know, you learn a lot. Kind of take us from there in your story. Sure, absolutely. Well, I got the Part 107 license and um, I would have gone on at some point to shoot fly drones for them. There's just not a lot of need for drones uh, in and around New York City because, as you know, you can't really fly yeah, almost anywhere in New York City. So that really um, discourages people from going into commercial drone work um, within the five boroughs. But um, 
I just, I've had, I kind of had it with um, journalism because I've been doing it for a really long time and the kind of work that I was doing could be really um, rough over time. I, you know, I covered a lot of rape trials and mass shootings mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the big events of the day, but, you know, in nearly every case, tragic in some way or the other. Yeah. So it's a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'd never go back and do anything differently, but um, I did that. And now I want to do something else. And my love and sort of interest in drones has grown year over year for the last seven, eight years to the point where now I'm a professional pilot. I feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm getting contracts. I'm working with people. And um, it's kind of like, you know, like a trapeze artist that you let go of one bar and you're tumbling through the air and you're just (laughs) hoping that you're going to catch that second bar. But you don't know until that bar presents itself right in front of you. And I feel like I at least caught the very first bar. So I'm still alive. And I can go forward from here, but that first year was probably the toughest year of all because um, there's so much uncertainty about whether it's going to work or not. Like, for instance, one of my biggest personal um, concerns uh, about the success of my the business that I envisioned um, was the sales aspect of it. You know, I, I'm a reporter, and that's it's kind of sales is antithetical to what I do. I, I, I can I'm very good at prying information out of people. But the idea of prying money out of them is an anathema to me. It's horrifying. Mm. So, mm. you know, I took particular care to prepare all this year because and I'm just going to back up a little here and point sure. out to everybody that I'm on eastern Long Island, uh, which is it's like the Hamptons, it's north and south fork of Long Island. I live in Riverhead, right where the two forks split. Um, so I've got easy access to Montauk and Greenport. But this is... Um, it's a year-round business community in a seasonal um, seasonal tourist um, area. So the work um, the work dries up every fall when the uh, when the landscape goes brown. Mm-hmm. And um, so I now I've lost my train of thought, Dave. Where was I going with that? Uh, you were talking about uh, you were kind of terrified of the sales aspect of it. Oh yeah, I was terrified of the sales aspect. So all through this winter, I prepared. I got interns. Um, from the New York City Department of Education. There's a program where the city pays these kids and then you kind of take them in as apprentices in your company. And so we did that with my age on Zoom and um, I had them compile for me a spreadsheet of basically every restaurant, vineyard, farm, um, basically every company that might need drone services out here um, in a big spreadsheet with the social media manager, the website, the contact information, so that when I was ready, rather than literally knocking on doors, I could at least check out some of these websites and then approach the people I think that might uh, take the service. Yeah. But um, so I prepared as best I could for that. But for me, and I don't know if this would be the same all around the country, but out here, the best success I've had is joining local chambers of commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I did was join the Riverhead Chamber of Commerce, which covers the town of Riverhead, and the North Fork Chamber of Commerce, which covers the entire North Fork of Eastern Long Island. And through that, I met all of the, you know, every kind of business you can imagine. And for me, the greatest news for emerging drone pilots and people are starting their companies now is I've noticed a dramatic, dramatic shift in people's attitudes towards drone pilots literally in the last two or three years, you know, I, I have been 
threatened. I've had shit thrown at me. Uh, you know, I've got a friend, Joanna, um, from Hampton Drone in Manchester. She taught me to start carrying around all the laws, you know, all the laws that governed drone piloting. So she could literally prove not just to um, homeowners who are angry, but to police who don't know the regulations yeah. that she in fact had every right to be flying there. She had permission from the FAA, et cetera, and everything like that. But um, the other th thing I think I was, I had a lot of trepidation about in starting this company is I had experienced those, you know, drunk guys on the roof decks, you know, threatening to come down and kick my ass if I flew anywhere near their house again and everything like that. And so I was bracing for a lot of backlash, but I'm used to that because I do investigative journalism. People never, they never like to see me at their door when, um, right. when <laughs> at least you kind of developed some thick skin from, uh, from doing I that job. Very thick skin, but I was prepared for a lot of pushback and, and the good news is I've been to so many like chamber of commerce and all kinds of business meetings with everybody from construction workers to, um, to real estate agents who love the idea of getting a 30 or second, 30 or 60 second um, little drone video to advertise their business out here. I think that the advertising market has really moved so much over to social media and mm -hmm. folks out here have lived out here all their lives. They're in their fifties and sixties. They're my age. Um, they're not truly adept at social media, but they recognize the value of it. Yeah. And, literally to a person, to a business, everybody is, um, everybody's interested in working with me. I don't mean That's to awesome. say that about me, but everybody's no. interested yeah. in drone video for their, for their business. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you, have you found, so what was your kind of, you know, you go to the chamber of commerce and what was your way of sort of, I mean, obviously you just get to know people and things come up in conversation, but did you have any specific type of, Hey, my plan is to talk to this person and, you know, see, you know, I don't know. What, did you have any specific kind of plan going in? My initial pitch sounded something like what you just said. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, but I got, I got uh, it down. Well, where I'd walk into a room and say, like, you know, for the next six months, the earth is unbelievably beautiful from the sky. You've got to trust me. Let me show you this. Here's video of this. Here's video of this. And, I, and then I talk about social media and how everybody is on social media and all advertising has gone to social media. And I can help you in a way that nobody else can. Nobody on the ground can do what I can do for you. And I can mm -hmm. do it pretty quickly, pretty efficiently, and with some sense of, you know, creative artistry um, and talent, <laughs> post-production talent, I hope. Yeah. And, you know, soundtrack and, um, you know, the whole package. And I've just been incredibly gratified to see um, how interested these, this spectrum of businesses is in in working with me or buying buying my services in one way or the other yeah so was the sales aspect of it not quite as uh horrifying and scary as you thought or was it still pretty nerve-wracking for you uh, it's still it's still hard to do um but i really really truly believe there's been a fundamental shift from yeah the time i was i was reporting doing investigative work on the industry that was kind of you know, back during the Snowden years where there was a real uh, concern for privacy and most mistrust. people had never seen a drone yeah. in the sky. It was a deep, deep mistrust of, of surveillance technology of any kind. And yeah. um, I feel like that period of time has gone now and people are beginning to recognize like this is just a piece of equipment and you can get beautiful video out of it. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's people's attitude has changed. They see this now as a value to their business rather than a threat to their 
privacy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true. You know, the longer things are around, typically people will get more and more comfortable with it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, there's cell phones everywhere, so it's not much different than a cell phone in the sky. You know, just because of drones flying around doesn't mean someone's following you or tracking. I mean, you look like an ant to the drone most of the time if you're up, you know, high enough. So, um, but yeah, try to tell people that they're like, Oh, you're, you're spying on me. I'm like, why would I want to follow you around? Like, don't you think I have better things to do with my time? You know, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. yeah, some people used to be like that. Um, so for the, for the work you do, what's kind of your bread and butter service offering that you do for people? It's changing. When I, when I first started out, um, I figured the natural thing for somebody with limited amount of skills like myself would be to do something pretty basic like real estate and out here obviously the real estate market is incredible um so i thought real estate would be my focus and i kind of geared everything towards that and then late last summer i thought to myself you know i don't know if i want to do real estate you know one house at a time one real estate agent at a time i'll never make this company big so i briefly was talking to this businessman who's on my board of advisors about going after the hospitality industry and trying to get one contract with Hilton, you know, to cover 10 resorts, fly around the world. And it sounded very glamorous at the time. And so I joined a major hospitality group. I was getting ready to fly down to their convention in Texas and everything. Um, And then honestly, I realized uh, I I wasn't ready yet for that that kind of level of work. Um, And that probably wouldn't give me a contract no matter how much I charmed them, you know, because, but I did some work into that area and I realized this is probably not for me. So I kind of pulled my investments out of that and kind of left groups and refocused uh, on doing what I'm doing here. And again, I thought it was all going to be real estate, but I'm realizing now that it's, it's social media. It's 30 and 60 second videos for companies of all kinds, companies that are just, you know, a little storefront on main street um, Mm -hmm. or a construction firm or a vineyard or a farm. And um, the chamber of commerce has been really great for me personally because um, it's an opportunity to reach all of the, all of these different disparate business owners um, through one one portal, which okay. is the chamber. And yeah. if they see like you're working with them in the chamber, you know, it's like you're on the same team. And suddenly, it's a hell of a lot easier to approach somebody and say, "Hi, I was just driving by this farm. I saw this beautiful, you know, image here." And, uh, I'm a member of the chamber. Are you a member of the chamber? Okay, yeah. Hey, you mind if I shoot this? No problem. Okay, cool. Right. Now we're friends. And then next week, it's like, hey, can you come back and uh, shoot something here? We've got a wedding party here. They're willing to pay top dollar if you can get a drone over here in a half an hour. That, just that kind of thing. It's it's the relationships that I'm trying to build. Yep. I think yep. it's going to take a number of years to really you know put roots down. But I've had a lot of success working directly with these groups like the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, I think something you said is really smart too. Saying like, you know, there is one, there is a strategy in going, you know, to you know, one by one. Let's say you're cold calling, you're just calling down a list, right? That's a strategy. Maybe not the most efficient, but you know, if you've if you've got the time and you've got the the thick thick enough skin to handle rejection, um, you know, that's it's one method. But you know, there's a when you when people are thinking about getting customers, really in any industry, think about where do my customers already exist and go and gather in one place, right? Because then if you can just go to a either a group where people are already there paying attention. So for you, it's like the chamber, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, we have like affiliates. So um, there's a website, thedronegirl.com. Like early on, she became a partner of ours. And I'm like, all of 
people that would be interested in what we do probably at some point do a Google search and land on her site because she ranks really well for like all these articles. So it makes sense for us to partner with her and like put some stuff on there about our site. And so we've worked with her on some of that. But you need to think about just like you did, hey, what do I want to do? Where do these people go? And like you're thinking hospitality, right? Like if I want to get in with these hospitality people, where are they going to be? Where is there going to be a good opportunity for me to naturally build some type of relationship with them so that I can lead to work, you know? Um, so I think that's a great strategy. What you did is, hey, go to the chamber, meet people, especially if you're going for that like local market and just tons of businesses that need marketing videos. I think that's super smart. And if you're listening to this, you know, someone out there is listening to this and they're thinking, oh, I'd really like to do this. Think, all right, where do those people go? Like, you know, where do they hang out or where do they go to learn and, you know, try to get there and get in front of them and, you know, show yourself as credible when you get there. So um, I think that's really smart. So for yeah. So for you, like, um, how much, how much, I mean, if you're comfortable sharing, I don't know if you'd like to share your pricing or at least how you think about pricing, but you know, if you're doing one of these videos or, um, like what does a typical package look like for, you know, one of these small businesses you're working with? Well, for, for a long time, I had the best price you could ever give anybody free. And I just did everything free, everything, everything free, because I just had a hard time, um, asking people to trust me. And give me money for something for a job I had never done before. I would never sure. charge anybody for something I'd never done before because I couldn't make sure it wasn't going to go wrong. And that's what would really horrify me. If somebody paid me good money for something, I didn't give them the product. Um, I would, I, you can't sleep at night. You know, I hate that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and now at the point I'm at now, I'm not doing any kind of drone work for less than $500 yep. a, um, a job. And sometimes it's drive out to, you know, the Amityville Horror House and shoot some video over there. I did that for my friends uh, in New York a couple of weeks ago. But um, that's kind of my minimum. I've had too many times in the beginning, you know, drone base or all those little places that give you the drone jobs for like 50 bucks or 75 bucks. Yeah. Or when they when I first heard about them, I was like, oh. Sign me up, please take me. You know, yeah, you work for you and everything. And now, after like a year of getting their emails, like answer now or you're not going to get the job and everything, I I don't want to do it. I don't want anything to do with that. They asked me, one yeah. of them asked me recently to spend three hours training a child on flying my Mavic 3 for $75. And I was like, <laughs> I, really, I wrote back and I said, cancel, cancel me. I'm out of here. I'd never want to do this. That's insulting. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I thought it was a typo. Yeah. So you mean seven fifty, and they said no seven. <laughs> yeah, so, I um, I tell people basically those are good. Those sites are good for like if you're super new and you just want to get paid to practice. You know, that's mm-hmm. like an okay thing, but it's not really a way to build a business. Yeah, and occasionally you'll get an email saying they want you to shoot a house that's like two blocks from where you are, two hundred bucks, and it's like okay, cool, I'll go do that. But yeah. beyond that, um, I've found much more value in finding real customers. But yeah, so I charge, yeah, $500 minimum um, because of all the money and the work I've invested in the company. But um, sure. I'm now aiming to get contracts. I got, um, I think for me, at least a really important contract here in Riverhead with the Riverhead Downtown Business District. They've got a whole series of events from the summer through the fall, ranging from like boat races to antique car shows, firework mm. shows, street painting, Memorial Day Parade, all of these different things. And 
So I've got a contract with them for this year to, to shoot all of those events. Um, it's about 10 different Amazing. events between now and, uh, you know, kind of the holiday parade yeah. in December. And then I'm going to put it together into, you know, a full on professional um, video for, for the downtown business district. And nice. the woman I'm working with on this project, I got to give her a shout out because she did something for me that no other client has ever done. We sat down to talk about me doing this project for them. And she had a video there from another downtown business district in another state. And she said, this is what I want. She showed me yeah. the video. She said, this is what I want. Obviously, we're not going to steal these people's wonderful video, the format and you know, language and everything like that. Yeah. But you have to model it. Yeah. She wants me to give her something like this for Riverhead. But it yeah. was the most instructive and valuable thing because a lot of times when I was doing a lot of those jobs early on, you know, free for people. You pick the wrong song, you pick the wrong, you know, vibe for something like that. You may love it, but you know, that farmer's gonna hate it, you know? And mm -hmm. and that's happened to me too. You know, I worked long and hard on projects for people and it just didn't like my choice of uh, music or yeah. whatever the case is, and it didn't lead me anywhere. But every job you do, you're still under that pressure, and that pressure is what helps you build your confidence and navigate mistakes and get better. Yeah. So no, I don't regret any of it. But um, you got to be careful. Um, you don't work too yeah, hard on your own vision without making sure it's in tune with the vision of your client. Right. And that, yeah, again, that's I take that back to like a lot of things in business. Just because you have a specific idea of what someone would probably want or what's good doesn't mean that's actually what's going to pan out. I mean, we've made courses before where we're like, oh, this is going to be great. People are going to love this. But we never actually went out and like, beta tested it and be like, Hey, what do you guys actually want? Do you like this? And you like this? And then we launched the course and people are like, Oh, this sucks. You know, you're like, okay, I guess mm -hmm. we'll uh, go back to the drawing board. Um, cause it doesn't matter if you like it. It matters if whoever's paying for it is willing to pay for the money to get that, you know, so it's all about, you know, what your customer wants, but right. I think that's really smart on the, Oh, go ahead. I'm going to make a comment later about the contract thing, but I'll let you finish. You really now you got to navigate that line too, because on the other hand, in the beginning, I used to give kind of full creative control to to the client, even though the client wasn't paying for anything. Yeah. Um, and that can be difficult too, because you end up going in a direction for weeks, and you know they give you a song that they want to use, and then you put the whole video together based on that song, and you know what's going to happen when you walk in, and you walk in, and you say, "Okay, here's what you wanted." So, uh, I don't think this song works. And you're like, why didn't I tell them this at the beginning? <laughs> because I didn't yeah. have the experience. I didn't have the yeah. uh, the confidence to say, listen, trust me on this one. Why don't we use this song? And it would have saved me literally a month of work on one project. Oh, uh, gosh. But, those, but now I know that instinctively, and I'll never have that problem again. Yeah. And I'm super careful to talk music right up front because um, it's such a key component for what I'm doing, at least. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's awesome. So what's one of the biggest projects you've ever, uh, that you've done to date, I guess? Well, this contract I've got now, it's a five-figure contract. I don't want to go too much into detail, but oh, that's fine. it's a big contract because that's um, awesome. there's a lot of work. I'm going to be hiring, I'm going to be writing the script, hiring a voiceover actor, hiring a motion graphics um, mm -hmm. editor. I actually have just hired the motion graphics editor. He's brilliant. He's half my age. Um, <laughs> and 10 times better than me at premiere and yeah. all post-production and um, awesome. so but it that that contract gave me the sort of anchor i needed to get through this year and go out and get other business yeah but knowing that you're gonna have you know these paychecks on these dates 
And at yep. the end, you're going to have this large paycheck. Um, it, it helps you organize your finances and, and kind of work your burn rate better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really, I think that's, I think that's smart. And, you know, it gives you stability and yeah, like you said, you know what to expect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your, uh, do you have any, any client or working with people? What has been your, your toughest job so far? One that you maybe wish you wouldn't have uh, taken? That's a good question. Unless um, they've all been rosy. No, no, they haven't. Oh, the Amityville Horror House. I thought that, well, I can't, my, I've had to fly the Amityville Horror House and those poor people, the people who live in this house now, they're, they've only been there for a few years. They're nothing to do with the original family, the movie or anything, but it is a tourist location. They even changed the street address number to keep tourists away. But it was one of those places. I felt like some of the places I've gone into mafia neighborhoods and other neighborhoods where they knew who I was and they didn't want me there. And that's what this felt like. The whole neighborhood was like very unhappy. I was there. And, um, the very savvy woman who owned the house at one point I was flying, you know, a couple missions around the house and she walked out and stood right in the middle of the shop and just leaned over the fence looking at me. And she knew that I couldn't use the shot if she was in it because they don't want shots of a woman standing in front of the Amityville Horror House. They want just the Amityville Horror House. But during the course of the shooting, uh, for the first time, I think, ever with a DJI drone, I lost complete control between the drone and the remote. It's never, ever happened before. It turned out to be a motor problem. I just got the drone back from DJI uh, two days ago. Mm. Um, But... Which drone there. was this? What's that? Which drone of yours was this? This was Mavic 3. Oh, the Mavic 3. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, thank God it was calibrated and everything. So it came home. But um, it was a really scary incident. And then I had something similar happen the second time I went that had more to do with um, getting the videos onto um, onto my computer. But all of the cameramen and everything from, from the documentary were joking that the house is haunted and they... they they haunted your drone. And, uh, but that was extremely stressful because I had no control over the drone and I had to literally turn off the remote and turn it back on and pray to God that the drone did what it was supposed to do, which was to come home. Yeah. And it came home, but I, I you know, I went home, I covered it in sweat, just covered it in sweat. Not from <laughs> the people who were about to hit me with a baseball bat if I wouldn't leave their neighborhood because it was a tourist attraction, but from losing control of my favorite drone (laughs) (laughs) and it worked right it came back and landed yeah it came right back and landed right outside my car like i had taken off from but um but i you know i got right into it and i called my friend who's a dji authorized dealer and talked to him about it and i had to get i had to ended up sending it back to the factory but Mm. uh it was that was a scary one um yeah those that's an expensive drone to uh to lose too those are pretty pricey Oh, damn right it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just, face was white. I just couldn't imagine. A business wouldn't end, but yeah, you know, it'd be a big that that'd be a big setback. Yeah. Just the two or three weeks that it's been in the repair shop in China yeah. has been killing me, you know. Yeah. Do you have a backup back- drone that you use? Yeah, no, I've got an Air 2S and a P4, V2, okay. and um the minis also in the repair shop because I hadn't used that thing in a year and I pulled that out the other week like a week or two ago and one of the motors uh, seemed to be damaged so hmm, that's okay a, but no the Mavic 3 is mostly what i use that 4.3 sensor is just phenomenal 
I don't mm. love every other aspect of the drone, but the picture that that drone gets you is it's awesome. Not like anything else I have, at least, or that I've ever uh, mm. heard with. So, yeah, totally that's really cool. Relationship. So, what's your uh, what's your plan uh, moving forward as far as growing the company goes? Well, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing for the rest of this year. Um, mm-hmm. But the moment, the moment the trees, you know, the, the leaves fall off the trees in October or November out here, and it turns into winter, I'm going to throw myself completely into um, into mapping because I got a P4V2, you know, a few months ago, and I started taking your mapping courses. But okay. I literally put them down in the middle of it because I had I just had too many other courses to take. I'm still learning, you know, the intricacies of Lightroom and Photoshop and yeah. my Insta360 camera. There's sometimes I feel like I'm learning six different languages at once, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll just pick one. Like I'll I'll work on learning my Insta360 camera because that's kind of a cool, fun camera that you can do cool things with, mm-hmm. uh, or I'll just spend a morning watching Lightroom tutorials or, yep. or you know, flying, but there's always something I'm trying to move forward. Yep. So that eventually gets to the point where I'm comfortable enough that, you know, every day is not like, come on, you know, you never know yeah. what's going to happen. Anything yeah. could happen. And, you know, I think that's so important. What you're saying is like, if you plan on growing your company, you have to kind of grow your personal skill set, mm-hmm. knowledge base, you know, that's, that is the asset right there, you know? So, uh, you know, like you're doing learning every day, practicing every day, that's going to be the key, right? And then talking to people. And then it's hard to get good at everything. Like you're saying, you're like, I went into try to do some mapping stuff, but then I just had so much going on with all the other stuff. You know, it's like, you can't, it's hard to be like a super, super good expert at everything. So it sounds like you're doing good about being focused, but realizing, hey, when the winter comes, that business is not going to be as, you know, prevalent. So, it's good to have something that can be done regardless of the, the season. So um, I think yeah, that's, kind of a, that's a smart move. Don't get me wrong, because I've heard you say a million times and other podcasters say a million times and all, you know, experienced drone pilots say, don't be a specialist in everything because you'll be a specialist in nothing. I take yeah. that very, very seriously. But I'm still at the phase in my company where I'm trying to figure out for myself what's the most lucrative um, yeah. field of drone um, drone flying to go into. And yeah. for me, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to turn out to be, you know, construction, roof inspections and photogrammetry. Uh, yeah. So I'd like to at least know what I'm doing and try out mm-hmm. see how good I'm at, good I am at it, because I want to make as much money as I can so that I can do the things I love the most. Right. As I can. But no, I think you're going at it in a in an appropriate way. I think when I refer to that, I refer to people who are at the very beginning and then they say, mm-hmm. I offer everything right and they try to just do anything any you know they try to they try to pretend to be an expert in everything where you i feel like you've done good you've really niched you have niched down you know you've you're like, hey i'm chamber of commerce i'm focusing on these small businesses i'm getting a contract with the you know doing these events and it's like you have narrowed your focus and practiced and taken those courses you know so i feel like you've put in a good amount of time doing that and there's nothing to say you have to stay there forever right like yeah you should always grow so i think if growing if mapping is the next thing that means growth. I think that's great. Like any business, you always need to be learning new things and growing. Um, so just because you're learning something new and it doesn't in a different area, doesn't mean that you're, you know, doing what we are saying about you're trying to spread yourself too thin too early, right? You can always 
pivot, shift focus, depending on, oh, hey, this is actually going to prove to be more valuable. I'm going to shift over here, right? But trying to say, oh, I'm a survey company and a production company and this company, all at the same moment when you're first starting off, it's usually too much for you know people to handle. So I think you've done a good job about niching down and kind of getting that business, you know? No, you're right. That, that is a good caveat. And I know it was directed at new pilots. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't think there's, I think there's a good plan. So I, I think, I, I, think I know, I know a drone photographer in Southampton. I said, do you do video? She, this was a year or so ago, but she's very good at what she does. She says, I only do drone photography, just stills because I want to get really, really good at this. And that, that really stuck with me too, because mm-hmm. now she is, now she's doing FPV and all kinds of different things. But yeah, I admired that focus because I know that from investigative reporting, sometimes you really got to narrow in on something and become really good at it to be valuable to really anybody or to stand out to yeah. anybody else. Cause but, if you're not going to focus on it, somebody else is going to focus on it. And then when a customer has to, you know, pick somebody, you know, they're the person's going to beat you. So you got to be focused mm-hmm. on, Hey, when people are looking for this thing, I need to be the best at this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's, I think that's a great way to do it, what you're doing. So, um, well, before we go, I know we, I've had you on here for a while before we go is it, I would love for you to give some maybe thoughts or advice to, you know, Chris two years ago, where if you were just starting off and now, you know, kind of what, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of just getting into maybe switching into trying to launch a drone business? A hundred. Yeah. hundred percent. I would, um, and be careful about doing this, but I would find a drone pilot that you admire and look up to, um, and befriend them <laughs> same way that like a reporter would chase a story. I have a guy in California. He's like my hero. Uh, his name is Sean Mullins from Flying House Films. And my friend who was a high-end real estate agent in Northern California, she offered to put in touch, him in touch with me a year ago, but I wasn't ready to talk to him yet. I didn't want to hit him with questions like, so what SD card should I use in my Air 2S? You know, I wanted to wait until I was good enough to talk to him. And I literally flew out to California in February to finally meet him. And now we're like really good friends and we talk on the phone all the time. But That's you can't awesome. go to somebody who's been doing something for 20 years and ask them to tell you all their secrets unless you can demonstrate either your sincerity or, or the research and the work you put in or you know, mm-hmm. something like that. I've tried that with the photographers and ask them to like tell me all your secrets. And they say, go to YouTube. All my secrets are on YouTube. Yeah, uh, You have to learn it yourself. But um, I think once Sean met me and he saw how serious I was and passionate about this, uh, we hit it off. We had a blast hanging out in Laguna Beach, and um, he has guided me when I've needed him um, through through a whole number of really important uh, developments in my in my in my company. When I got this big contract that I got, he had just told me a story a week before about a fifty times larger contract he had got, and how he had to negotiate with a city in California about the job. And mm-hmm. he basically just walked me through the whole meeting. And we walk through the different aspects of what you got to put into a budget proposal so you don't um, undercharge. You got to really yeah. be realistic about your time and its value, or you're going to end up killing yourself for a project and barely make any money. And that was a mm-hmm. valuable lesson. Had I not had that lesson three days earlier, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it for the whole thing for $1,000. You know? Yeah. Lots yeah. of work. Thousand dollars, you know, so that that really helped me, and he's like my uh, Mr. Miyagi, yeah, that's awesome. And um, 
I would find I, the biggest problem I had was finding drone pilots, finding friends to talk to because nobody I know flies drones. Hmm. So I joined yep. AUSI and I, you know, got online. I joined Drone Launch Academy. I met all of our people here, Al Cornette, and all those great people. And I built a community um, so that I had people to call when something went wrong, like you know when I lost control that lost remote control over the Amityville Horror House. Um, I could call somebody and they could help me. Yeah, I think that's so important too, like having that community of people, right? Like you said, and even just starting a business is kind of can be lonely because you're like nobody understands this mm-hmm. specific situation that I'm going through. So it's awesome that you had somebody to call or someone to bounce an idea off of. Hey in this contract, you know, what should I be thinking about? Or even just him sharing that even spurs ideas in your head. Oh, I didn't really think about that. That was a possibility. I could go talk to this company and do this. You know, you see what other people are doing and you can kind of think about ways to model that. So um, don't, don't get just one mentor, get like 20 because <laughs> they will get tired of hearing from you every single day. <laughs> you know, sure. I mean, you can do it. You can do it with uh, some, uh, you know, some tact. Uh, and I think what you said is important too. Like, don't just randomly chase people down and ask them things that you could probably just find on Google. But, you know, if, like you said, if you show sincerity and like, Hey, this person's serious and they've done their homework, most people who are, have success in a field, if they see this person is really sincere, they're working hard, they're taking steps to like do a lot of this themselves, but they have these questions. Like most people are um, really willing to, to help out in that way. So yeah, uh, Sean to be one of the most humble, graceful people I've ever met. And yeah. he's the best, I think at what he does. Yeah, that's that's really really wise, and I think that's that's a really good piece of advice. And I think that's the first time I've ever heard someone give that advice as their uh, ending statement. So I appreciate you giving that little nugget. No problem. Cool. Well, thanks, Chris. I mean, if people want to find out more about you, what's some good ways to uh, look you up or look your company up? Uh, Sunsetbeachfilms.com, and I'm most prominent on Instagram. And by prominent, I mean I'm not prominent on any of the other ones. I just, I've been focusing on Instagram and video, video yeah. and not as much on YouTube. Um, gotcha. Cool. Facebook, so, well, we'll, uh, we'll link up your, we'll link up your, um, social stuff and contact on show notes. Um, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story, man. I'm glad we finally got to, uh, connect after all the back and forth. Hey, Amen. It was really great talking to you, Dave. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Chris Francescani. He's an awesome guy. Loved getting to talk to him. Hopefully you loved getting to listen to him, hear his story, and you could take away some motivational nuggets and some good wisdom from his story to inspire you to help your story. If you are thinking about starting a drone business, doing some drone work on the side, whatever your goals and ambitions are, maybe you're just doing this for your own career. Maybe you're working some like construction or engineering or you're a real estate agent and you're looking to do drones more. Hopefully these stories help you, give you some nuggets of wisdom and level up your drone game just a little bit more. That's the point of these podcasts. I love doing them. So if you have anyone that you think we should have on the podcast, let me know. And we should be sending out some applications for season six soon so we can start recording that. Looking forward to that. Keep an eye out. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. Take care.